Welcome to the Connecting Greeks podcast. We're connecting the Greek community all over the world through media, technology, and love for our culture. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Connecting Greeks podcast. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, Peter Minaki. Peter is the founder and administrator of a great food blog called Kalofagas. Today we sit down with Peter and we discuss all things Greek, all things food, all things wine, all of the best things in the world. So sit back, enjoy, and get to know Peter Minaki. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. As always, we have another interesting guest, a good friend of ours, Peter Minaki, uh, who's a Greek-Canadian, who's the creator of the popular uh, food blog, Kalofagas, which I love that name to begin with. But hello, mm-hmm. uh, Peter, welcome so, to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen. Good evening. Uh, good day, wherever you may be around the world. And uh, uh, it's, it's good to be on board. Hope you guys are well. Excellent, excellent. Uh, we're in Boston. You're in Toronto. Yes. Right? Uh, there's, there's an hour flight that divides us. That's it. That's it. But, uh, and, and, and a closed border, unfortunately, right now. And a closed border, yeah. unfortunately, you're right. Yeah, yeah they, got, they got things tight until this whole pandemic thing uh, uh, gets better. So uh, it's, it's, it's for the good of everybody, I guess. I, I couldn't uh, disagree with you more. But uh, we're both coming from very strong, prominent uh, Greek communities, right? Boston, Toronto. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we have uh, vibrant Greek communities in, in, in both Toronto and Boston. I've been to Boston a few times. You guys have, you know, you have, you have the Orthodox Seminary there. So you guys pump out a lot of free and stuff. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you guys you, uh, you have lots of churches, which so do we. Like, like people always ask me back in Greece, like, you know, do you actually celebrate Easter? Of course, you know, like, you know, do you guys have Greek, yeah. Greek food? Like, of course, we have Greek restaurants. You know, we have a whole infrastructure of uh you know Greek community uh our church uh our markets uh we keep up the traditions as much as we can we also embrace that we're canadian or we're american as well and uh you know we're we're we're, we're greeks in the diaspora uh uh yeah so uh yeah both uh, strong cities with with the greek populations and as you know uh it's it's funny like every part of the uh, the diaspora you have different uh, Greeks from different parts of Greece that settle there for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I know in uh, over there, in, I went and I did some uh, cooking demos at the Worcester Greek Festival at the St. Spiridona yes. uh, Church a few big, years big ago. Community. And for some reason over there, they either, everybody's from Macedonia, Iporo, well, and Samos over there. I guess, church, I guess you know, what happens is, you know, one family brings the other, that brings the other, and so on and so on. Right. That's, exactly. So and that's, that's, that's the same thing. Right. And so uh, uh, in L.A., they have a whole bunch of Greeks from Calabrita. Go for some reason. So somebody in the old days must have gone over there exactly. and, uh, and sent everybody else there. You go to the, the oldest Greek community uh, in, uh, in uh, the United States or North America is actually Chicago. And Chicago. then they started spreading out. Interesting. <laughs> and, and that's obviously New York is bigger now and everything. But the original old first Greeks uh, community. Or, or, or settlement it was actually Chicago, and then they started spreading out. And do you know where the oldest Greek church is? Tell us. Uh, actually, New Orleans. Oh, you know what? I did. You're right. I did read that somewhere not too long ago, and I was like, I wow. went down there this past February for the first time, 
And I was just curious, and I Googled it, and, you know, I find the Hagia Triada, Holy Trinity Greek Church. And the church they have now is a new one that they built after uh, Hurricane Katrina. They had an old one, which is kind of got a house. They turned into church and stuff. And that was the that is the oldest church in North and South America of Greek Orthodox. Is it still an active church community? Yeah, yeah. We went there on the Sunday with my with my two fr- travel friends. Nice. And as I said, it's a new church. They have a the community center right beside it, as a lot of these churches seem to do. And uh, they like you could tell like like we went for the coffee after the uh, the Sunday service with the Paximari and all that. And uh, we were talking to some of the locals. And you had a combination of the Greeks that have been there for like two or three generations. And then you had the other Greeks that maybe uh, were, they were born but, uh, in, uh, in the United States, uh, but their uh, parents uh, I see. Uh, immigrated. And then you have other ones that were, you know, fresh off the boat, so to speak, that maybe came to Canada and the U.S. Uh, uh, during this latest crisis in Greece. So they had a little bit of everything. And... Uh, a, they have a Greek festival at this uh, church in New Orleans, the Yetriada, that's huge. Like, everybody in New Orleans goes to this. Unfortunately, it's been postponed because of uh, the pandemic right, and stuff. Right. But like, they have the whole city going there for, like, the whole weekend there. People love it. It sounds like a Mardi Gras. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, it's, absolutely, it's a Mardi Gras. And uh, it's funny. They, they actually have uh, – you get some Greek twists uh, with, with New Orleans cuisine done down there as well. Oh, that, that sounds interesting. So have you guys ever heard of dirty rice? Uh, yeah, I heard of it. I never had it, but I've heard of it. So there's this, there's this one uh, New Orleans chef, and he does dirty rice dolmadas <laughs> down there. So I, I love that kind of thing. I love that. Can you give me the recipe by any chance? I, I can give you the recipe. I've, I've got it in one of his cookbooks. I can give you the recipe. And then awesome, uh, awesome. I was when I was down so, there, I spoke with a guy okay. brief that's, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a well-to-do uh, a Greek-American in, in Louisiana. He ran for governor unsuccessfully, came in third a few years ago, and his brother has uh, this chain of, of hot dog joints called Dat Dog, and it's a hot dog and stuff, but these guys really elevate it, you know, and uh, Greeks have done good in all facets of, uh, of of hospitality, be it fast food, street, you know, street food, classic? steakhouses, over there where you guys are in New England, like, you know, most of the pizza joints are owned by Greeks, right? Right, right. I don't know how that happened, but you're right. But so, Peter, tell us, so you were born and raised in Toronto? Yes, yes. I was born and raised in Toronto. My parents immigrated uh, from Greece separately. Uh, my dad in the mid-50s came here to Toronto, following his uncle, who then sent, asked, told everybody to come over. My mom came uh, in 1966. Well, they met probably. here. Uh, I was born here. Uh, both parents from uh, Amindeon, Florinis. We're exactly. northern Greece, okay. and uh, uh, we we have a lot of strong uh, Greek traditions. We love our Easter, uh, our Christmas traditions. Uh, we have Greek festivals here. Our Greek town, which is on a street called the Danforth, uh, has the largest Greek festival in in the world. Like every August, where like a million people pass through. It's a big street festival. And uh, what else? Uh, the, the Greeks here lobbied and they won. Uh, the street signs are bilingual in the Greek town where we are. They're in Greek awesome. and in English. Excellent. So, yeah. you know, growing up, we I'm sure we all share very similar stories growing up as Greeks, you know, as first generation, you know, our parents trying to instill and keep our Greek culture alive, but making sure that we are adjusting to our, you know, our Canadian American communities with our friends and at school. Um, so did, you know, what path did you take or what, uh, what did you decide to do? 
uh, as growing up as a Greek Canadian through school? Was there a direction or there was a vision that your parents said, you know, I want my son to do this? Look, all my parents wanted us to be doctors and lawyers and stuff like that. Uh, you had the other ones that were kind of like doing the uh, big fat Greek or anything where they'd have kids so they could have more employees for the restaurants. Uh, <laughs> my dad was in restaurants, uh, but he never, he, he always, my parents always uh, told me early on, like, you know, get education so you have to work hard like we had to do in factories or in restaurants and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I was in the financial field, as I told you guys prior to our live interviews, but I got into uh, food uh, in the earliest I can remember is in the uh, late 80s. My mom came back from Greece and she surprised everybody. She bought a home in Halkidiki and uh, uh, that left my brother and I every summer alone, you know, to our own devices. At first it was great, you know, bachelor's paradise, you know, barbecuing, delivery, whatever. Uh, having friends over and then after a couple of summers we got sick of that and I started missing home cooked meals so I started cooking for myself uh fast forward to about 2007 when I had my first PC I had the internet I had a my digital camera I was searching from the internet for some uh Greek recipes and I didn't like what I saw online and I I thought that I could do better and so I started my Kalofagas blog back then on the blogspot uh, platform and Every year it got bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, meeting uh, people that were interested in what I was doing in Greece and anywhere I visited that, that, that found out about this website. So it, it still averages about 50,000, 60,000 uh, visitors a month. That's amazing. Uh, it, it, it opened up my, my, uh, my uh, it, it caused me to change careers. I was in a financial field and then uh, in around about a decade ago, I decided to do this food thing full time when I also was able to uh, do a cookbook. I now have three or four. Uh, I do catering here. I do these Greek supper clubs, which are pop-up dinners with, you know, Greek themes. It could be a geographical theme, like, you know, uh, Peloponneso, Nemea. I bring in uh, Greek wines from the region. It could have be having to do with the time of the year, like a Pocoriatico dinner for, for carnival. And uh, I do, on average, one a month here. Sometimes I'm invited to go and do these in other uh, cities in Canada and the U.S. That's great. And uh, it's, a nice way, it's a nice way to make a living. I'm very happy. I'm not a living, but I think it's a great lifestyle. I mean, that's like a dream come true for any of us to be able to, like, enjoy the passions of our, of our food culture, wine culture. You meet people. Bravo, so I'm so... I'm so I love uh, it. I love you- it. It's, 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 you know, like, uh, find, find uh, something you truly love and you'll never work a day in your life, as, as the saying goes. Uh, however, there are times when it's work. You know, you have to be organized. Right. Uh, you have to keep in your in top of your mind that there are people that have been to your previous dinners, so they have a certain expectation. And there's the other people that haven't been yet, but they've heard about it, so you have to, uh, you know, please them as well. Uh, sometimes you're tired because of other functions, life. You know, you might have a cold, whatever. You have to push yourself. Uh, sometimes uh, things happen when you're cooking, like you have to have a staff to help out, whatever. Uh, I'm sure it's challenging. Sometimes the stakes happen, whatever. You have to get over the challenges. Right, right. Uh, one time I did one of these supper clubs, and uh, uh, the custodian for the, for the venue, we're doing the supper club, uh, came over and he was asking me what we wanted turned on in the kitchen. So it's all, it was all natural gas. He turned on the stove. I told him, I want the oven on. I want the grill on. And he goes, What about the flat top? I go, Yeah, turn that on also. So he opens up. The front door of that he has a little uh, fireplace light he lights it and his big flash back of a flame oh god gets him 
knocks him back six feet. The guy can't see, says. His, 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 the front of his uh, hair is all burnt off. He's got no eyelashes, no eyebrows. We're freaking oh. out. And oh. so, then, you know, he goes, I can't see. And then uh, they call, uh, uh, he didn't want to call the ambulance. Was, maybe, maybe he was worried about immigration. I'm not sure. But uh, eventually the police came. They said, this is now a labor issue. You've got to get out of the kitchen. That's that. And we, we waited, we waited, we waited. And, and uh, in my conversation, I found that one of the two police officers was a friend of mine. And I told her, look, you got to let me know. How, like, are we going to go through with this dinner or not? I got to contact people that, that it's canceled, whatever. She goes, hold on, let me call the hospital, see how this guy's doing. He was fine. And she goes, you know what? This case is closed. You guys can get back in the kitchen. We had like two hours to prepare for like a dinner for 50, 60 oh, people. Talk about pressure. <laughs> there you go. So sometimes it's pressure and it's work, but we did it. We got her done. That's the Greek spirit. You're going to get it done, right? <laughs> so, exactly. So um, there's times where, you know, and, and uh, when, you, when you have those challenges and, and you, you overcome them and the dinner turns out well, it's, it's, it's a feeling of triumph. Uh, it's and, and that's the best feeling. Absolutely. So I'm sure you come across so many individuals uh, to the dinners. Who do you think are your hottest, hardest uh uh, critics when it comes to your food because I'm sure I've been in the business myself prior and I'm sure you know putting out Greek food for our our Greek uh, demographic uh, I always had uh, come across a lot of critics but is there anyone in particular that give, that comes down hard on you other than uh, maybe a yeah uh, well that's what I was going to say immediately like sometimes we have like it's 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 a wide demographic of people that come to attend these dinners but there are people that will bring their uh, their dad or their mother that's, you know, right. young papu ages, right? And you know that they're going to be like, oh, yeah, definitely. Looking for, for mistakes and this and that. Uh, of course, there's people that are going to have, they're going to compare your food with the food that they grew up with. And right. you can't please everybody. Uh, you, you get five or six Greeks uh, in, in, in a room, and everybody's going to have their own way of making a spanakopita. Uh, okay. There's no right or wrong way. Some people uh, have a different way of making filo pastry. Definitely. Other people have a different way of doing the spinach, uh, the, the cheese filling, whatever. So, uh, so you have to just let that you know, go by. I, I uh, kind of go by the philosophy of uh, Thomas Keller, the French laundry guy, the chef. Yes. Uh, I met him here for a book signing in Toronto. And, and I asked him, like, how do you come up with a menu? He goes, there's no real uh, magical uh, uh, quotient or 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 or, or uh, what's the word? Uh, there's no formula. He just goes, I cook the food that I love, and hopefully people enjoy it. And that's what I do. I cook the food that I love, and hopefully they like it. And so far, I've, I've, been, I've been fortunate in that regard. Good for you. Good for you. Um, so you've seen that, you know, over the years, I'm sure you've seen uh, the food evolve in Greece uh, in the sense of, you know, there's a lot of creativity depending where you are visiting Greece, depending regionally. What are your thoughts on today's Greek cuisine? It's a double-edged sword. Uh, I love that they're, uh, the, the young chefs, a lot of, there's a lot of young chefs that are doing some amazing things. They, they're, they're trained uh, and they're doing some fancy stuff. Uh, some of them are perhaps doing, they're, they're, they're making it, they're elevating a little too much. Greek is a rustic cuisine. Uh, right. I kind of draw the line at feta foams and stuff like that. Uh, I, I, I like that they're getting away from like the old you know, Greek town kind of like the Vedna thing. Like, you know, I want my, uh, here, you order your meal. The guy comes around the server. Hey, here's your dinner. He slaps on your table. And the, the guy in the kitchen just slapped the food onto the plate. 
no right. kids on the plate, nothing. So they're getting away from that, I think. Uh, I like the guys that are, they have an eye on traditions and they do some modern twists with it. I think that's fine. Uh, right. What can I, like, in Greeks, they, uh, they, they love, they've, they've really gotten into steaks. Uh, good for them, that's fine. Personally, I, I really don't have a desire to have a steak with them in Greece. We can okay. have that over here. I want to have local Greek stuff or something that's interesting, like when I'm in Thessaloniki or Athens or, or one of the islands, and you've, you've heard about a hot restaurant and a hot chef you know, doing some amazing things. And I'm more interested in, in, in that, those kinds of uh, dishes or, 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 or preparations of Greek food. Uh, I love if you find a, a good Hasapo Taven outside of Athens, whatever, where, where the guy's like chopping up the meats, he's grilling yeah. for you there, all fresh, local. It's amazing stuff. Any, um, Peter, any destinations in Greece that you've visited uh, that was uh, eye-opening to you as far from a culinary perspective that you can share with us? Yeah, well, yeah, like anybody that's going to go to Greece, you know that Thessaloniki and Athens both are, you know, the two largest cities uh Right. respectively have you know a great food uh, scene uh yanina and metsovo in Nipodos are fantastic sure you know you're gonna get like roast lamb traditional dishes good pizzas and stuff fantastic cheeses uh if you go to crete you're good you're, you're, you, it's, you, you can't it's, it's very hard to go wrong over there they, these guys really take care of uh of, of uh sourcing the product and stuff right. uh in my recent memory Nox, i was in naxos last year Another great island for uh, for Greek cuisine. Uh, it's one of the few Greek islands that's actually self-sufficient. Uh, they have, obviously, seafood. They have their, their fantastic uh, lamb and, and goat. They have their own naxiotikas, patates, which are fantastic. Their cheeses. They even have their own water reservoir in the middle of the, of the uh, island, okay. which they can draw upon. Uh, so what 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 are, are naxoxicus patates? It's a yellow potato. It's like a Yukon Gold. It's the closest thing I can I can. Uh, but it's just a really good kitini yellow potato. Uh, okay. Good for either the furno or fried as well. Okay. Uh, what okay. else? I've been I'm a big fan of the islands uh, that are all along Turkey. Okay. okay. The North Aegean Islands and the Dodecanesia. So, uh, Mitilini, Lesbos, some of. They would argue probably the best ouzo in all of Greece. Uh, I think a lot of you can get good ouzo in many parts of Greece, but it's it's there's also a fantastic food scene going on there as well. It's 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 a uh, it's a gem that's it's waiting to be discovered. And hopefully, when this whole refugee thing uh, blows over in that island because they're getting hit hit hard pretty bad, right. uh, people start returning there. Seafood fantastic there. Uh, those islands all along there in, in North yeah. Aegean around the Vatanisia. Practically every Sado Tavena does the sun-dried octopus, which for me is the gold standard, right? They sun-dry the octopus, right. and then they'll finish it off on the grill. Uh, what else? Uh, uh, I went to Tarpothos a couple of years ago. Those are all those islands. A small island, a little east of a creek called Kassos. Okay. Uh, nice, simple uh, Greek uh Dishes the way it was like, you know, 20, 30 years ago where they haven't changed. Uh, you get, you eat at the taverna, whatever they caught, the fishermen caught that day or wherever the, the farmers got that's available. And that's what they have. That's the menu. Right. And I'm fine with that. And Peter, um, we're talking a lot about food, but what about, uh, what about when it comes to wine? What, are, what is your preference when it comes to Greek wine? Or do you have a preference? Uh, I'm, I'm not, you know, I... My, my parents come from a great wine-growing region, which is uh, Amindeon. Uh, they're known for their rosés and sparkling wines for many years. Uh, the Xinomovro 
grape varietal is, is, is indigenous to that area as well. Uh, Nausa nearby is fantastic. Uh, there's a fantastic winery just outside of Thessaloniki by the uh, Yero Vasilio, Evangelos uh, Yero Vasilio. He's making some of the best wines in Greece. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a part owner of another winery outside of Kavala called Vibiopora. Uh, Vrama, uh, a few years ago, into Vrama. They have a great wine story over there. Okay, mm-hmm. there's, there's two or three wineries that are phenomenal there. And then going south, obviously the Nemea region is phenomenal. Uh, down in Laconia, I went to uh, the Batistas winery outside of Neapoli. And uh, one of the best Greek whites that I uh, uh, love comes from there. It's the Kidonitsa. I have to agree, not because I'm being uh, biased, but my wife is from that area. And whenever we go down there, we drink a ton of Kidonitsa. Oh, yeah, it's good. Uh, if you want to talk about another, if you want to talk about one of the best reds uh, from Greece, uh, probably the Megaspilio uh, variety of reds where they have the, it's, it's a dry uh, Mavro Zafni based wine. Right. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, in Paros, you have a Moraitis winery, which I really love. Uh, what else? Uh, Cretan wines, uh, they're good as well. I think I think they have a little bit more work to do. But I've been I've been to the uh, uh, La Manusakis winery outside of uh, Kanya, and uh, they're doing some good things. The, the, the gal there with her husband, they're the Greek Americans, and she's some good stuff over there as well. Uh, and you know, I I love my Tsikoro, my Raki. Everywhere I go, it's it's good stuff as well. Uh, I I really I'm a cigar smoker, like a casually. And when I'm over there, I like uh, getting the uh, barrel-aged chipura, the, the, the barrel-aged Those pop-tipura. are becoming really, really popular. And Those I got to say... really, really good. That's, that's, that's a nice way to finish off a meal as well. Excellent. Uh, uh, there's, there's, if I miss some wineries, my apologies. Oh, no, I think you've, you've, covered, you've covered pretty much, I think, the basis for anyone who's listening, that uh, there's so much to seek out. There's so much to see and do and and eat and try in Greece that uh, you can just pick one location and spend your whole um, uh, your whole time w- while visiting Greece and you'll get a lot out of it in my opinion. And, and, and to add that, for those that are listening, uh, Greeks, uh, Greek, Greeks that are in the diaspora as well, try the Greek wines and, and, and especially the ones that are the indigenous varietals. There's a lot of interesting wines that are out there. Absolutely. Uh, you don't have to have, you know, the, you know, the, the cab soaps and all that that are made in Greece. Try the indigenous varietals and you'll be in for a, you know, quite a surprise. Uh, it's Greek wineries, uh, uh, time to shine, I think. Definitely. And I should, I should, I should actually mention as, as an afterthought, of course, Santorini's, uh, Asitico and their whites and stuff oh, are phenomenal as well, of course. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. So Peter, what about, uh, when you're visiting the U.S., any favorite Greek restaurants that you are a fan of? Well, let's start out with Boston. I went to uh, committee. committee. Uh, I went to Kavos, which I liked. Uh, I went to Porto, which is more, it's Greek owned, but it's, it's, it's more of a Mediterranean thing. And right. I, I eat very okay. well over there. Uh, the, we, uh, let's see. There is uh, Manhattan's uh, is, is, is probably home. And these are the ones that, that, that brought a white tablecloth, fine Greek dining to North America. And everybody else is trying to do that also now, right? right. Uh, Montreal is where Istatorio Milos began. That's right. So, uh, Costa Spiliadis and his family began over there. That The original restaurant is, is, is still in operation, even though it's a new location. It's been renovated. Yep. Uh, he now has locations in London, Vegas. Uh, he's in the Athens Hilton, uh, Miami, Dubai. and, of course, New York. So, they're doing quite well. 
and uh, you know he's the guy that actually did the whole thing of having the fish on display, yeah. have the waiters come around, and you can pick the seafood that you want, and they have he a really elevated food. the bar for Greek cuisine, in my opinion. Absolutely, yeah, it's it's not cheap, but, uh, but it's, uh, it's a good experience. And here's a little here's a little uh, a little tip for the folks over there. If you're in a city where Milos is uh, located. Give them a call and see if they're offering a prefix lunch. Uh, I, they usually do it, yeah. and uh, you can you can you can dine at Milos and get the experience for for much more uh, affordably. Right. That's, than that's good to know. At nighttime. I think Ari, you got to make reservations for us. <laughs> you guys go to Montreal now. When soon as things open up, you're yeah. only about four or five hours away from Montreal. You can go to Milos over there. Oh, definitely. I've I've dined at Milos in Montreal. I've dined the one in New York and so forth. And I gotta say, there's something special about uh, Milos in Montreal. Okay, well that's the original one. Uh, the uh, in Chicago, uh, good things are being done by uh, Louis Alexakis. He's got the uh, Avli restaurants, one in Winnetka, which is a north suburb of Chicago, yeah. and he just opened a second one in uh, the Lincoln Park area. He's doing good things as well. Uh, what else is there uh, in uh, L.A.? I was down there a couple of years ago, and uh, there's a new restaurant that opened up in Beverly Hills called uh, Lucia, and it was really, really good. Uh, I, I like when, when these, uh, these restaurants uh, pay respect to the traditions, and they don't Americanize it too much. Uh, you won't find any iceberg lettuce in their Greek salads and stuff over there. So. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Mind you, out of pure curiosity, I haven't been there yet. I want to go to Tarpon Springs. Oh, I've got uh, as you know, they, they, even their mayor is, is of Greek background. They have a lot of people that originally came from the island of Kalimnos over there because of the sponge diving. Yes. They, the sponge diving industry totally died around those islands. So these guys went over to uh, Tarpon Springs. They could do some right. of that also. They did some boat tours, you know. As, you know Peter, I don't know if I told you. My background, both of my parents are from Kalimnos, so I have a little bit of uh, that, uh, that uh, acknowledgement about the... Uh, I've been at Kalimnos, and people eat very well there, and, and, oh, yeah. and, and very nice folks. Uh, that's a, I eat very well, well over there. Tell me, about, tell, me, tell me something that I've been always, you know, even though um, I have family in Tarpon, I've never really understood the Greek salad that they offer in Tarpon. Why does it come always over a bit of potato salad? That's what I want to check out. I was reading up on that, and... <laughs> Apparently, it, it was it was uh, some somebody, uh, an African American person, a yeah. lady, I believe, was 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 in the kitchen, and they're trying to like you know bulk up the salad, and they had and they put a scoop of potato salad in there with a Greek salad, and it stuck. Uh, mm-hmm. I forget which of the restaurants actually came up with it. They wanted to get more authentic, and they cut it out of their salad, and people freaked out. They wanted it back, so they they're stuck with it down there. It's actually not that bad. I was impressed. Well, there you go. Uh, well, today on my website, I shared a kritiki salata, which is basically a koriatiki yep. that has potato, boiled potatoes in there and some boiled egg mixed into oh, the wow. mix. That sounds uh, pretty. It's a meal. It's a meal. Like there's no mayonnaise and stuff in there, but it's it's, it's a meal. It's good. Like there's little twists and stuff. Uh, there's there's there's, uh, there's different regional uh, variations with with a koriatiki. Like you go in the Kikladas, they have their their fresh anthokido, which is a it's like a uh, a tart, uh, briny kind of a ricotta kind of a cheese. Right. It's soft, and they put that rather than the feta. Uh, some got some islands will put like in Sanctuary, they'll put capers or caper leaves in with their koriatiki. Mm-hmm. Your your family's from Kalimnos, and so they have their salad, the mirmizeli. Mirmizeli, right. Which but, is basically a Greek a, a koriatiki meets a panzanella salad, right? 
Right. So right. I love I love all these little regional variations. It's, it's so it's, cool. It's really, really cool. Awesome. So do you do you um can you pinpoint do you have a favorite Greek food that is uh dear to your heart? That's too hard to uh I'm pinpoint. Sure it is. It's too hard to pinpoint. The best thing I can tell you is like, you know, it depends on 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 the time of the year, the season. So right now it's summertime. Uh I enjoy I love uh whole grilled fish. Uh Maybe some uh, a like you know a Mediterranean potato salad. It's warm with a little bit of olive oil, a little bit yeah. of mustard in there, oh, nice. uh, capers, parsley, dill, grilled fish, horta, uh, grilling some octopus in the summer, nice. uh, lamb chops. You know, we own that. It, we, I guess own, we own I guess octopus. We own lamb chops. Right. And I'm talking about lamb chop. Where like over here in Toronto, we got some Greek butchers where. They'll give you the lamb chop where they haven't Frenched it. So you got the meat and the fat all along the bone. And, you know, you cook it till about medium. You want to get you, kind of like a pork chop. You want that fat to render off, get a little crispy. Uh, I love a good pork chop. I love doing like the, the, the pancetas, the, the pork belly pork chops in the mm. summertime. Uh, a you know, uh, if you have a smaller group of people, you get a leg of lamb, put that on, on the rotisserie as well. Uh, in the wintertime, I, I love the braised dishes, the slow-cooked dishes, like a coquinista, a lamb shank, uh, uh, right. Right. A, a pork shoulder in the oven. All year round, uh, stuffed peppers. Love that. One, uh, one fine. time of the year. Like, like, I like the seasonal stuff, and, and that's, where, that's where my appetite will, will gravitate towards. That makes a lot of sense, absolutely. I mean, obviously, well, this, here's this another is one. It's summertime them. coming up. This is one of my favorite summertime Greek dishes. Yeah. Ooh. You know what I had the other day that was delicious? Uh, zucchini fritters. And I always and I always butcher how to say it. Kulukitha <laughs> <laughs> keftedes are amazing. They're not that hard. I think the biggest mistake people make is, is they, they, uh, they grate the zucchini. Yeah. And they don't squeeze enough liquid or water yeah. out of the zucchini. It's very important that you squeeze it as much as you can. I tell people, here's another top tip for people. You know, put some salt in there, let it strain for like, you know, a couple of hours and then put it inside a tea towel and just wring it dry until you get as, as much water as you can out of the zucchini. Then add all your other ingredients and then add your binder, which is probably some breadcrumb or flour. And because it's dry, you don't have to add so much of the breadcrumb or the flour. So it's going to be a lighter right. zucchini fritter. So what happens is people don't, draw out enough water or squeeze enough water they have to add more binder and it's become a heavier and it's almost like a hockey puck you can kill somebody if you throw it at their head also you guys use those as hockey pucks uh not not mine but somebody else's <laughs> mine are nice and light <laughs> well, well this is all good stuff peter i mean um you're making us uh you know hungry just from listening to all this uh these tips and all these ways of uh preparing food but you're also uh, a man that puts together a lot of uh private dinners uh i noticed that you do the the supper club um yes. you, what, so during these times obviously that we're going through have has any i mean are you adjusting or just kind of sitting on the sidelines until things get back to normal anything new that you're doing uh despite uh what we're dealing with i'm on the sidelines right now uh here like we have provinces on in, in canada you guys have states so yep. that's our equivalent in the province of ontario where toronto is where i'm located We've just today, today gone into phase two of opening things up slowly. So uh, we have gatherings of maximum of 10 people. Restaurants can now have their patios open with the two, uh, the two uh, meter d- distance between them and stuff. And uh, the other restaurants that had to shut down, they 
they they pivoted as as the word uh, is described it into selling takeout and and pickup and uh, they changed the law so that these people could could deliver and sell alcohol for takeout and stuff. Uh, I don't have a bricks and mortar restaurant. Uh, a lot of these guys had to because you know they had staff to take care of. They had rent and costs and stuff. Right. Uh, I, I I have a small kitchen that I use for my catering stuff. Uh, I thought about doing something like that, but uh, I'm just too. Af- I'm just afraid I wouldn't be able to handle the demand if I did that. I'm fortunate in that I can sit up and wait my turn. Uh, when things open up to like, let's say they allow 50 people, I'll probably start doing my cooking classes again, which is another aspect of what I do. I can cater at people's homes with dinner parties and stuff, and then these these supper clubs as well. So uh, when when the health, the local health uh, officials say that we can do that, then I'll get into it. And even then, it's going to take some time because there's there's some people that are still timid about going out, even sure. if uh, the regulations say that they can go out. Uh, today was our first day. It looked like uh, a lot of the bars, restaurants uh, uh, got some people, which is good. But it's going to take a while, I think. So I'm just waiting it out. I be, I get some. Uh, I do still get some catering requests. Like somebody might want a moussaka, a pasticcio. I make homemade filo pies. I do that all year round. Uh, during Easter, I, I sell my own surekia, and uh, that did very well again. So, you know, I, I just uh, sit uh, on the sidelines and, and wait my turn. So while, while, you know, you're on the sidelines, in the meantime, tell us uh, to our listening audience, you know, how can they find out more about you? Can they follow you? Uh, any of your platforms that you want to let us know about? Well, uh, first and foremost is, is the website, uh, kalofagas.ca. That's uh, the that's 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 the the the, the mother uh, of where, where everything began. There, right. they can find uh, lots of recipes. Uh, sometimes I have some, I have a few articles on parchments and stuff where I've traveled to. Uh, and then on Instagram, again at Calofagas, they can follow what I've been cooking and doing there. Uh, Twitter, the same handle at Calofagas. Uh, on Facebook, I have a fan page for Calofagas. Uh, uh, okay. they, they can add me if they if they want on on my personal profile, Peter Minaki. But just send a note so I can know who they are because some people just seem to you know add, send friend requests just like they're they're collecting uh, gotcha. coins rather than actually having you know like a real connection. Gotcha. Uh, and so they, they can see what I'm doing through the through all of those platforms. Right. Uh, on Eventbrite, they can, they can subscribe at Eventbrite as well and see when my next event is, be it in Toronto or any place else where I sell uh, events. Uh, I did a, a few classes during the pandemic online cool. where, I, where I used Zoom. Uh, they went well. Uh, I'll probably do some more again in the fall. I think at this point in time, uh, a lot of people are also using Zoom for work, and I think that they've been tapped out. They don't want to – they got to do for work. The last thing they want to do is, is sit with me for a couple hours <laughs> or somebody else and, and – uh, go through a cooking class. Got so it. I'll probably revisit that in the fall. Sure. And uh, that way people through across Canada US can actually follow along and, and sit in one of my cooking classes through Zoom. And you and let's talk about you also have some cookbooks, right? I have some cookbooks. Uh, they can uh, search uh, go on Amazon.com and search Peter Minaki. There's about four or five uh, books that I have there. Uh, my publisher, I should miss, uh, they're, they're affiliated with Barnes and Noble who just opened up their stores and they want the authors to push people buying books from Barnes and Noble. So just go to Barnes and Noble or Amazon, search Peter Minaki and you'll see my books. Excellent. Uh, 
Mediterranean cuisine. It's basically Greek food, but there's a few other regions that we, we take part in or, you know, get involved with. Uh, living in Toronto, Boston, these big cities, we were, were uh, exposed to a lot of international cuisine. And so that, that comes into play as well with my food. I love all cuisines and, uh, you know, Mediterranean Greek is, is, is the heart of it all, but I, I love all food. If it tastes good, I'm in. So when you, so now that you just mentioned that, when you're not having Greek, what's your go-to? Uh, you know, what? I'll tell you, I'll put, let me put it this way. When I'm in Greece, I'm eating yeah. Greek for like, for like six, I'm there for six weeks, I'm eating Greek. Yeah. And then by the end of uh, the holiday, I'm missing Asian food. Asian, okay. Nice. I'm missing Asian food. Here in Toronto, we have a big Asian community. And uh, Toronto can boast of having really good Asian food. Chinese, Hakka. Have you guys have any Hakka down there in Boston? I don't think so. What is Hakka? Hakka is, Hakka is the border cuisine China and India. So think Tex-Mex, but between China and India. So it's a little bit Chinese, a little bit Indian. It's spicy, and uh, it's really, really good. We have Vietnamese stuff. Uh, we have Korean, which is really big. Obviously, Chinese from different regions. Hong Kong, all the way to the north, like, you know, uh mandarin and stuff so we got it all uh we got these guys here that you know that there's this one restaurant here called fishman's lobster house and they got these big platters of like these these lobster towers they got these crab towers really really uh visually uh, impressive and it tastes good as well uh dim some places the food scene there is really interesting huh I, i i that's that's the stuff i miss when i went because I know they have Asian places in the East, but again, I don't want to eat the, the international stuff. I want to eat the Greek stuff when I'm over there. Uh, but I find myself missing that. Uh, what else? Uh, uh, yeah, it's probably the Asian food because everything else we can get you know, in Greece. Finally, in Greece, after the past few years, they're making good pizza over there. That's right. I got to agree. When I was there last a couple of years ago, I was pretty impressed. Pizza, the pizza options, right? Yeah, they're having wood-burning ovens. Uh, they're learning how to make a good dough. Greece's market has opened up where they have access to, you know, real mozzarella and mm-hmm. some other ingredients. And then they've actually made a pizza that, that, that internationally is, is what everybody's used to. Rather than the Roma pizza that we knew, like back when we were kids, that had, you know, any chicken atiriados in the fridge, grate them. Uh, they had canned mushrooms. They put the peppers, any sort of salami uh, on top. And, and that was their pizza. Right. It's right. tasty, but it's not the pizza that everybody knows about. No, no. Excellent. All right. Are any uh, last minute questions for our good friend, Peter? Oh, I mean, I, I, I've barely said anything and that's because the more interesting the guest is and the more knowledgeable, the less I speak. So thank you so much for that. Um, My and, pleasure. And, and man, oh man, did you make me hungry? This was like <laughs> unbelievable. I love, I love uh, being a company of people that love food and talking about it. And uh, right. hopefully uh, things open up where we can, uh, we, up we go for a real uh, bite to eat and talk and uh, and have definitely. some drinks uh, one-on-one. Definitely. Yeah, we absolutely should. And you know what? Um, you said before you, you were kind of with uh, tired of the Zoom uh, aspect of it. But you know what? Maybe we could do a little bit of a, a pairing, like a, a quickie class with a quickie wine pairing. and Because uh, our wine webinars on Zoom are pretty good, and I'm sure yours are good. Maybe we could do a combination, and then when things open up, we could do a Yeah, yeah, we can, we can do that. I, I'm, I'm not, uh, Adi, I'm not tired of Zoom. I just think a lot of people out there, have gotten, they've gotten overkill from it. Like a lot of people are working at a home, whatever, and they're using Zoom for meetings, et cetera. And so they're no, getting right. burned out by it. So right. I think, I think, I think, uh, uh, we can do something like that in the fall when, when uh, people aren't really staying outdoors or their backyard. They have a lot of yeah. other stuff to do now. And then 
it'd be a perfect time to get back uh, indoors and, and to do the classes and talk about wines and all that kind of stuff for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Peter, I, we, we want to thank you so much for taking the time. My uh, pleasure, gentlemen. Great. This won't be the last time that we have you together with us. Uh, anytime, anytime. It's together. All right, Peter. Well, right, guys. enjoy thank the rest so of your much. day. I will, day. and uh, stay safe, and uh, we'll see you guys again soon. All right. We'll thank talk you. soon. Thank you. Thank you. All right, cheers. Cheers. Thank you.